0: And welcome back to RotoWire's signature NHL hockey pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario, and you can follow me at Statsman22. My co host is AJ Scholes, who's a great follower at AJ Scholes24, based in beautiful Sun Perry, Wisconsin. Snow free Sun Perry, Wisconsin, hopefully <laughs> for your sake, partner. That's near RotoWire headquarters over in Madison. We're grateful also for the support from our sponsors at Owner's Box. AJ, we were last on the air five days ago. We had to do a, a quicker episode because you're on the road uh, for vacation plans in the next few days, which is great. But uh, in the meantime, a topic that we haven't really covered off too much is the new faces, the rookies, the kids. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we were talking about Cole Caulfield and, Caulfield and the expectation that the Montreal Sniper would run away with the Rookie of the Year uh, situation, but he has run away to the minors. And uh, in, his, in his absence, a couple other guys have stepped forward. First, I want to get your thoughts on the demotion to the miners. Do you think it was necessary? Uh, will he benefit, benefit from it? What's your, what's your slant on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was definitely surprised by it. A little caught off guard. Um, if, if you want a funny uh, kind of funny thing to, to look up, you'll see Caulfield was demoted just in time for their picture day in uh, AHL Laval and uh, his face is is not exactly pleased to be there. That's for sure. Um, so give that a search on, on Twitter. It's, it's worth a chuckle, but I mean, I'm uh, was it warranted? I think so. You know, we, we were talking about a guy that was going to be in the mix for, you know, rookie of the year. Um, they gave him plenty of power play opportunities two forty four uh, per game to start it off. And, you know, didn't score a goal, had one assist to show for it in 10 games. And the most recent game um, against Anaheim, he didn't have a single shot on net. So then they sent him down, obviously. Um, I don't know if it's a confidence issue, if he just um, needs to, to play some more, still trying to adjust. I mean, let's remember he was kind of a star in the postseason last year, uh, you know, as far as they were in it, but he only played in 10 regular season games at the end of the year there. So certainly not a wealth of experience at this level. So certainly that could be a factor as well.
0: And AJ Innis said, we're talking about a couple other kids that have made the grade successfully in Detroit to kind of lead the scoring uh, we got two guys in double figures. Lucas Raymond came from nowhere in terms of the expectations preseason. But now he looks like the favorite to get the Rookie of the Year honors. We get, he's better than a point a game through 14 games. And uh, on defense, on the same plot, Moritz Sider with 10 points. And then after that, it's Bowen Byron from Colorado, another defenseman. He had... A lot of good press written about him, though, uh, when he first came on the Colorado scene in the playoffs last year. So, uh, and then behind them, Jonathan Dulin is uh, with San Jose and seven points to his record, five of them goals, and a plus three so far. So, I would say that quartet of kids is uh, are the ones that are making waves. Have you caught? Uh, any action that involves any of them. Uh, For me, Moritz Sider has been a bit of a revelation, the defenseman for the the Red Wings. I know we kind of uh, did a tongue in cheek reference to him the first time we mentioned him that he was being thought of in this as a very young Nick Lidstrom clone. But boy, what he's done so far has been uh, impressive to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think um, for me, I, I was actually able this week still. Um, so something to check if you're in season long leagues. I was still able to pick Lucas Raymond up off off the waiver wire in my my season long hockey league. So um, definitely a player worth considering. I you know he's already gone past the you know that nine game threshold for your entry level slides, and so he's going to see plenty of opportunities. But look. Uh, if you're a Detroit fan, hopefully you got in on him to win the Calder Trophy early on because even now, I'm um, going to steal some odds from our friends over at DraftKings. You know, Lucas Raymond is now the favorite to take home the Calder at the end of the year at plus 275, jumped ahead of Trevor Zegras, who's uh, dealing with a bit of an injury. We'll get into that a, a little later. Uh, Maureen Sider comes in third, and then Spencer Knight um, still up there uh, around fourth in terms of uh, best odds to, to win the Calder. Uh, So yes, Raymond really, uh, again, out of nowhere, um, I'll admit I wasn't super familiar with him uh, heading into the the season kind of, you know, I think part of it's you looked at Detroit and it's like, why would you waste a year for a guy on a team? That's, you know, not really going to do much, but when you're ready to play in the NHL, you're ready to play in the NHL. And clearly that seems to be the case with Lucas Raymond.
0: Yeah, he's got a beautiful release. I noticed that and a nose for the net that he's showing everybody. So that's really in his back pocket. But all four of the names that I mentioned are uh, among that new class. And you wonder if Caulfield's going to be called back to challenge them uh, anytime soon. Uh, Of course, the situation in Montreal is a bit of an uh, upside down right now with uh, a bit of a, a Tough start, to say the least, for that club, and we'll talk about them a little bit later. But, AJ, we always do a bit of a preamble like this uh, before we get into the 31 team, so let's get into that swing. You kick us off, please, with the notes on the Anaheim Ducks.
1: Yeah, I mentioned this right off the bat. Trevor Zegers dealing with an upper body injury. Um, Been out uh, for a couple games here. Looks like lost two. Uh, I... It was interesting. His name came up twice, uh, you know, recently in the last couple of weeks as the subject of uh, a a hit or some other interaction that uh, ended up with other guys meeting with the the Department of Player Safety. So it was interesting to see he's having kind of that impact on games that, um, you know, I don't know if it's just his motor and he's just getting around guys and, and causing havoc that way, which is certainly good for Anaheim. You know, if, I, if I'm being nitpicky about his season, um, he only has points in three games. He's got a total of five points on the air, but it, two of those were two-point games. Uh, I do really like his shot rate. He went through a stretch there of uh, – seven games where he had 24 total shots on goal. This was before his most, you know, two most recent outings. Um, so definitely, a, a, again, a player to watch. It's not surprising that he's in the mix for the Calder. Just a question mark now is going to be how long he's out of action. Still considered day-to-day. So hopefully for them, back sooner rather than later. They've got a couple other banged-up guys. Um, you know, Richard Raquel has has yet to to do anything um Recently, he's been out the last five games, uh, dealing with injury. And then uh, Silferberg uh, won't be able to play tonight just because of the COVID protocols and, and being in Canada. Um, that Ducks being in Canada, there's different rules for the guys when they when they head north there. So uh, he won't be in action tonight. So a couple of banged up guys that uh, I think are impacting them. You know, again, I'm, I'm not expecting Anaheim to hold on to their playoff spot here. I, I think eventually. You know, Vegas is going to get going um, and, and, you know, kind of compete. Uh, The Kings have been better than expected. So but, you know, they'll they'll need those guys to really step up and and come back in a big way, especially Zegers, uh, if they are going to, in fact, be a playoff team as they are right now.
0: Well, AJ, I'll throw in a couple more names that are making waves there. Mason McTavish was called up recently. He was a very high draft pick by this club not so long ago. Already has a goal and an assist in four games played. And then Kevin Schattenkirk bears a mention because he's among the scoring leaders on defense with 12 points already to his credit. So that's great marks for him and uh, great hopes for Anaheim because they have a a couple other guys that, that handle the puck very well in the back end, and including Cam Fowler, who I'm very high on too. So the the darkness that i predicted for this team might not be as bad, uh, as woeful as uh, an outlook as it was initially thought of. I, I have high, higher hopes for them now based on what I've seen out of the gate. Not so much for the Arizona Do- uh, Coyotes, though. This is a team that right now is struggling to put together a credible center uh, group You consider Barrett Hayton is probably the only guy with a bit of an offensive pedigree, and that's based on his time in junior hockey. It really hasn't translated to the NHL yet. Behind him, they have tra- traditional fourth liners, Johan Larson, Travis Boyd, and Jay Deagle manning the, the face-off circle, and that's really the nub of the issue here. Uh, the lack of offense driven from the middle of the ice is a real problem, uh, Phil Kessel is going to do Phil Kessel things, Clayton Keller. They're probably the only two guys with an offensive upside that I would consider in DFS play from time to time. But uh, I'm looking for reasons to, to, promote any other players. I guess you can look at the goaltending tandem and say, if you're looking at, at leagues where they count saves as reward points for you, then Carol Vimelka, uh, in in addition to his Purple Heart, should be a consideration. Scott Wedgwood was a recent addition there, too, claimed off the waiver wires. And uh, in, that's because Carter Hutton's on the IR. Carter Hutton's had probably one of the most miserable couple of years uh, of any NHL player, had a very tough year last year with a one-loss record that that is among the lowest in goalie history for one season, and uh, now he's on the IR. So tough times for a lot of uh, Arizona, Arizona club.
1: Well, I do want to throw in, uh, before we jump to the next one, a, a stat that I will share that I saw courtesy of Adam Kimmelman of NHL.com. Uh, don't want to take any credit for this. I just saw him tweet this out. In 2017-18, the Coyotes started the season 0-10-1. They claimed goalie Scott Wedgwood on waivers, and in his first game, he gets the Coyotes' first win of the season. If that sounds familiar at all, that's because that's what just happened this year as well. The Coyotes start the season 0-10-1, claim Wedgwood off waivers, and in his first game, he gets the Coyotes' their first win. So somewhat, somewhat of a good luck charm. For them uh, <laughs> to yeah, to at least uh, get out of out of funks, I don't know how many times they're going to be able to claim them off waivers, but uh, certainly <laughs> it's helpful there. In Boston, uh, you know, look, uh, I don't want to take all the credit here, but uh, in our DraftKings appearance recently, uh, I said Patrice Bergeron's gold drought would would come to an end, and that night it certainly did with a four goal explosion. Brad Marchant picked up uh, six assists over their last two games uh, and, and McAvoy as well with two assists in those two contests uh, along the way. So obviously some of that has to do with the power play. You consider three of those four goals for Bergeron did come with the man advantage. So that's always a boon there to, to have the extra attacker, but look, this is what Boston needs uh, to, you know, to carry the way they need Bergeron. They need, uh, you know, Marchon and not carrying the load and the fact that they've been struggling to score is why they're currently sitting sixth in the Atlantic. Again, this is not a team I expect to continue in that spot. They're going to be hard pressed, obviously, to break into that top three. Um, but I don't think they're going to see too much fight um, for at least the fourth spot from Buffalo, Detroit, Ottawa or Montreal.
0: Up next, we got to talk about Buffalo Sabers. They started the season with a bit of a rush, AJ, but now they're winless in five games, and we're left to talk about some of the statistical heroes here of late. And really, they're all on the first line here. They uh, reorganized that first line with Tage Thompson taking a center ice role. He got two goals and one helper last week. Jeff Skinner, who still owns one of the worst contracts. In, when you measure against recent scoring performances, he's trying to do something about that. He's got two goals and one helper in the past week. And Rasmus Asplund has four assists to kind of drive the, the play to the other fellows. He's kind of the setup guy on this line from the wing position. And then behind them, they have a couple of guys that are also chipping in a little bit of offense. I've been high on Dylan Cousins for a while. I thought he'd get a chance to be a top six guy here a while ago based on the explosive junior hockey career that he enjoyed, and he added a couple of helpers to the mix as well. So, in Buffalo, they're trying to outscore their issues, but uh, they're again a team that is challenged when it comes to quality net minding. Craig Anderson is uh, sidelined day to day right now, and so that's putting pressure on Dustin Tokarski uh, to handle much of the load, and he will be supported in that way uh, as well. But uh, I-, I think that's a bit much to ask a Buffalo team that's really thin on talent for Tukarski and Aaron Dell to do much about that. Dell spent some time in the minors. Surprising to me, AJ, I thought he was going to be the best of the three goalies here, but he's the one that was demoted uh, ahead of the other uh, the other two options that they have here. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I would totally agree with that. Um, speaking of, of goalies and, and injuries here, uh, perhaps unsurprisingly to those that have followed his career, but Andy Ranta for the Carolina Hurricanes is dealing with an upper body injury. Uh, after just facing four shots against Florida in that game the other day. And that uh, was the first loss of the season for the Carolina Hurricanes. It won't get any easier for them as they're going to go up against Tampa Bay uh, tonight. So uh, after that incredible start to the year nine consecutive or eight, uh, no, nine consecutive wins, rather, uh, they dropped one and certainly uh, could be in danger of dropping another tonight against a tough, tough Tampa team. Outside of that, it's been pretty much the names that you would expect. Svechnikov with three assists. Uh, Jasper Fast actually picking up a pair of goals in the, the last couple of days here. They are, uh, by all accounts this morning, uh, going to move Svechnikov to that top line. They're going to stack the top group here, which I, I tend to agree with going up against Tampa, um, so they'll have Sveshnikov playing with Ajo and Terevainen tonight. So something to consider when you're building your, your DFS lineups. I think the person most impacted by that is probably Vinny Trocek. He'll have to utilize Jesperi Kokkinemi and Martin Nekash tonight instead of his usual, um, or at least of late, partner Andres Sveshnikov.
0: In Calgary, AJ, we, I'm surprised by the Calgary Flames hot start, but maybe when you consider the goaltender that they have back there, uh, Jacob Markstrom has been outstanding for them so far this season. And he's been I, – I touted him as a contender for the Vezina. The I will continue to bang that drum as long as he's playing as well as he is right now. They're undefeated in the last three. And it's familiar names that are dotting the score sheet for them. And Keith uh Matthew Tuchuk with six points last week leading that scoring parade. But Johnny Gaudreau chipped in with three goals, too. The guy that's lagging here is Sean Monaghan, AJ. And we kind of panned his performance early on, but he has uh, awakened a little bit. He's got three points, uh, five points in his last five games. So he's a guy that is trying to find his way back into a top six role. It's just that he's going to be challenged there because they have some pretty good depth at center when you consider Elias Lindholm and Michael Backlund ahead of him. So uh, that's going to be a situation in flux, I think. But at least most recently, Sean Monahan is making a case and he's getting much more power play time as well. So at the moment, I think he's a very good sneaky DFS value play here.
1: In Chicago, they're dealing with some additional injuries, more uh, to what I guess you would call depth or, or minor guys here. They're going to lose uh, Mackenzie Entwistle for four, uh, four to six weeks, They've got Brendan Hagel dealing with more of a, a day-to-day shoulder injury. Henrik Borgstrom is sick. And all of that is not going to improve their chances of kind of riding the ship here. Um, they just continue to, to struggle. Um, you know, if it weren't for Arizona, they'd, they'd be the worst team in the, the uh, Central Division here. Uh, really the worst team in the Western Conference. But um, I, I don't know what the answer is for them. They're clearly not getting... Uh, for for one, they're not getting the Mark Andre Fleury that uh, that, that the, the Golden Knights had last year. By any stretch of the imagination, he's not going to be a favorite uh, at the end of the year at this point to win the Calder. And Kevin Lankinen, while uh, did have a recent good outing here, uh, it was still just his first win of the season going up against the Nashville Predators. So uh, the goaltending's not great. The scoring's not really there, especially not from some of the bigger names. Jonathan Taves continues to, you know, struggle this year. Um, You know, a a guy that in the past has been an absolute nightmare for opposing teams. You're talking about a guy who has consistently hit 20, 30 goals. Yeah, he missed that mark in 2019, but the season got cut short by about 12 games. He would have been right there. Didn't play last year and now through 13 games yet to find the back of the net. So um, they're
0: going to need somebody to figure something out here in Chicago. In Columbus, it's been uh, some up and some down when you consider the fact that Patrick Liney is going to be sidelined for uh, several weeks now with an injury and Max Domi is out with COVID-related issues and it bears mentioning that uh, an underlying condition that Max Domi is living with is Juvenile diabetes, so they got to be a little extra careful with him when it comes to the COVID protocols more than most other players uh, for that reason. So there is uh, some reason for concern for both of these guys missing. I thought there were going to be two thirds of, of a top line here, but uh, in in their absence, a couple other guys have have uh, stepped up, and including the newest face there is a Wiley veteran. Uh, Jacob Voracek, no goals so far, but 10 assists. And I, I tout him as one of the better playing wingers. Obviously, he's showing that side of his game, but he have to bulge the twine himself. Uh, he's getting help in that regard, though. Oliver Bjorkstead leads the club in scoring with 13 points. Five of those are goals. And Boone Jenner, in somewhat of a surprise, has been a low-scoring forward for the last couple of seasons, but he's got six goals on his ledger. So that's, I mean, some positive news and some negative news to report here in Columbus. And Elvis Lickens is kind of crept ahead of Jonas Corpusalo in the goaltending.
1: In Colorado, it's a one-step forward, one-step back for them. Looks like they could get Kael McCarr back as early uh, as Thursday. Same goes for Valeri Nenushkin But unfortunately, they are now dealing with a a lower body injury for Nathan McKinnon that is being further evaluated. He missed the first two games of the season and has been pretty much on fire until their most recent outing. Started the year uh, on a seven-game point streak. Uh, One goal, nine helpers over that stretch. Was held without a point in their most recent contest and now uh, could be in danger of missing out on Thursday. So they're going to be all you know fingers crossed in in the mile high city here to see if they can avoid losing him for any extended period of time. I do want to you know just mention uh Bowen Byram had a really good week. I thought um i didn 't really see any reason to potentially bump him from the lineup. You figure you know three points in in one of his last three games, had plenty of shots on goal, was given a ton of power play opportunities with McCarr, McCarr rather, out of action. But um, based on today's line combinations, it looks like they're going to drop him all the way out of the lineup with Kel McCarr back. So kind of an interesting turn, that one. Um, You know, JT Confer is another player to maybe keep your eye on, depending on how long Nathan McKinnon is out. He was the guy that stepped in with Landis Gog and Rantanen this morning.
0: And uh, looky here, the Dallas lineup, AJ, they've reunited a trio of guys that have been apart from one another for quite some time. Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan, Alexander Radiloff all back together on the top unit here. This is an experienced trio that was disbanded because of injury and underperformance in the last year and a half, but there they are back together. And uh, I like the way Jamie Benn has looked most recently, AJ. He's, He's got a couple of goals, a couple of helpers most recently, and looking the part. So that will be a big boon to this club that's been offensively challenged for quite some time. And you look for this trio to lead the parade. Ben had two goals last week, as I said. Sagan with a couple of goals and helpers. But on defense, too, they're getting contributions from a couple of guys that uh, were quiet for the early going. But Miro Heiskanen and John Klingberg with four and two assists respectively. So the offense is the situation that we've been focusing on that's been lacking here. But it's the old hands and and veterans who have carried the load when things were going better that really responded in the past week. And they hope that it can continue in Dallas.
1: In uh, in Detroit here, the you know good news is is getting guys back and available in the lineup. Uh, Dylan Larkin was able to play uh, on on Sunday uh, after a three game absence uh, for personal reasons, and then they have Tyler Bertuzzi back in the lineup again after missing those two games up in Canada. He really came back uh, full bore, has three goals and three assists in his last two games, uh, and, and really cruising for them. Uh, And again, we talked about Lucas Raymond, you know, some of it certainly he is benefiting from playing with those guys, but his numbers didn't significantly drop off without, you know, without them in the lineup, Um, you know, during the three game stint without Larkin, he had a goal and three assists. Uh, So while no doubt benefiting from the fact of having a a player of Larkin's caliber at center um, it's, it's not all that's carrying him along. The one kind of injury note for them, Troy Stetcher, uh, is seeing a specialist for an undisclosed injury. They didn't really mention what the detail is. He's been kind of a minor factor for them, so it shouldn't really impact a lot on their blue line, but certainly something to keep an eye on if somebody else were to pick up uh, a knock.
0: And we've spoken in Edmonton of uh, the importance of finding out who's riding shot down with Connor McDavid, and they had separated – him and Dreisaitl in the early one, but uh, our latest look at the club reveals that they're going to go with Dreisaitl on the left side of McDavid's line, which means that Jesse pooley is the lucky fellow who gets to play on the right side. It has to be on your radar. If you play DFS and you want to stack Oilers, pooley is the guy that's going to be the sneaky value and the cheaper value by far, and Odds are that you can at least pair him with one of the other two guys in a a bit of an Edmonton stack on a nightly basis. But below them, it's intriguing to me to see what's going on on the right side of the second line. Zach Cassian had the role early on, but uh, he's on dry a little bit. He had five points in the early going to equal his total from last year, but Kyler Yamamoto has been there for two of the last three games and he's got goals in them as well. So he's the guy right with the hot stick right now and, Riding next to Ryan Hood and Hopkins, who's been one of the better playmakers in the whole league, is going to do him well if, as long as he can hold onto that spot. And then filling out that unit, of course, Zach Hyman, who uh, I know can play anywhere from first to fourth line and fit in and drive at any unit that he's been with. I know that from his time in Toronto. And I've seen him do the same thing in Edmonton so far. So the top two lines are stacked, but keep an eye on that right wing to see who's playing where. It's important to you on DFS plays. In behind them all, the win probability is high when these guys suit up. But Mike Smith is on the IR, and that means the workload is being taken mostly by Miro Miko Koskinen, and he has not got the goals against that you want, but certainly the win total is intact, and as long as that's the case, this team's on a four-game heater, and he's a part of that.
1: Absolutely, Paul. I will add, you know, that uh, it looks like they're actually going to give the net tonight to Stuart Skinner. Mm -hmm. But obviously, I think that's more of giving, uh, you know, Koskinen a night off and and Smith not being available than any sort of uh, concerns that they have, because rightly so, Paul, as you said, Koskinen doing enough to get the wins. Uh, Another team that's been racking up the wins is the Florida Panthers, but they're dealing uh, with some concerns that I do think led to them taking their first regulation loss. uh, The other, the other night here, Spencer Knight gave up four goals. He's been filling in for the injured Sergei Bobrovsky, who was a game time decision to potentially serve as the backup on Monday night Uh, did not do so. And so uh, questions abound as to whether it'll be him available do they go back tonight? Uh, obviously, Christopher Gibson is a, is around and, and an option as well. And then also still dealing with injuries to Joe Thornton and Sam Bennett, uh, you know, not having those guys. Barkoff is one game back. He played last night, uh, and he had just returned from just a brief one-game absence. But if you obviously exclude that game, he's got a six-game point streak going outside of the one he missed. So certainly plenty of value coming out of him right now. Um, continuing to churn out points. And I, I'm honestly, when you look at the shot totals uh, last, you know, last night, he had six shots on goal. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't get one through on the Rangers,
0: but did pick up an assist in that contest. And hey, AJ, I got a good look at Los Angeles last night at, I saw much more than I really wanted to in their (laughs) abuse of the Maple Leafs in that 5-1 victory, which I'll give you credit for. You called it on on our DraftKings appearance yesterday, and I kind of laughed out loud uh, when I thought, these Leafs are as hot as these guys, and with their stars, they should blow them away, but... They showed a lot of skill on the wings and that was aided and abetted by Andreas Athanasiu, who's back in the lineup here. He's played two games and figured in on the scoring of three goals in that span. And uh, his outside speed was on display last night as he burst around the Leaf defense a couple of times. And he wasn't the only one to do that. Uh, By the way, on this night, Trevor Moore opened the scoring, former Maple Leaf. He's a third liner, but I think Andreas Athanasiu is certainly a threat to barge into the top six but it's getting a little crowded up there when you consider the younger uh, names that have kind of made the grade here. We talked about Alexey Afalo as a work in progress much of last season. He's more of a fixture now. And then Arthur Kaliev is kind of the new face among the top six, and he's done nothing to, to lose the role, he's got five points on his record, 23 shots on goal in uh, in the games played so far this year, and so uh, all things are positive there when you consider they finally can talk about having some depth among the forward ranks. It's the blue line where they're struggling a little bit to to keep healthy there without Sean Walker and Drew Doughty, but they played a very smart defensive game, and that's led by the two centers that they have down the middle of the ice, two of the best defensive centers, but they have offensive skill too that they displayed. Ansi Kopitar has been on fire offensively. We talked about him and Philip Deneau's got all of a sudden got three goals after the two that he bagged last night.
1: Minnesota Wild have been uh, performing absolutely at peak. Uh, They're on a three game winning streak right now. And that has them atop the central, you know, look, we talked about this being pretty wide open, but I don't think anybody would have expected Minnesota's name to ever be at the top of the central playoff team, maybe, Um, but certainly not leading, leading the way there. And a lot of that has to do with the performance of Cam Talbot. Look, I am surprised that we have only seen Capocacco twice this year. Again, I know Talbot's been performing well, Um, But they've had three back-to-backs this season, and they've only used uh, Kako twice. In the first, they started the year on a back-to-back, and they let Cam Talbot take both games to start the year. Um, So definitely a surprise Uh, Kapo Kakinen has been so underutilized here. He did get a win over the Islanders, gave up two goals on 21 shots. So maybe that'll warrant um, some more action down the stretch. But we have talked about the fact that, you know, Cam Talbot, one of his best seasons, he played 72 games. Like, this is clearly a guy who wants to play, you know, as much as physically possible. I'm not saying he's going to play uh, 73 games, actually. I'm You know, I don't think he's going to play that much this year. But certainly uh, at this point, it looks like maybe 60 to 65 is a real possibility. And I'll admit I'm, I'm pretty surprised by that.
0: Well, and, and AJ in Montreal, things are really a bit of a mess there. They're they're among the bottom feeders in the NHL when you look at the standings. And uh, poor Jake Allen has shouldered the load in the Nets, and the numbers haven't been good for him. Three wins, eight losses. The save percentage is right at ninety, which is bare minimum for a, a decent uh, level, I guess. And the goals against. Just under three, so they got to do better than that. The team has given up a whole bunch of power play goals—16 power play goals against in the in the games played so far. And Sam Moultonbolt hasn't really been able to do much in relief uh, of Allen. He's been given three appearances and hasn't looked good at all in either in any of the ones. His goals against is 353. When you couple that with the expectation that they were going to get a boost from the arrival of Christian Dvorak, who I saw him play in a couple of exhibitions. He looked okay. But when things turned into the regular season, it's gone south in a hurry for this guy. And he looks like uh, it's, it's going to be a rough year for him based on the five points he's got so far, but an ugly minus 13. And then you consider that he's now considered doubtful with an injury that's undisclosed ahead of tonight's game against Los Angeles. And, uh, it, you know, the the situation is a bit of a, uh revolving door at center when you consider behind Nick Suzuki. We ha- he finally had a good offensive week, but behind him, they've now elevated Adam Brooks, who was a fourth liner in Toronto, and uh, in, uh, in the minors the rest of the year uh, as their number two guy at center. The pickings are really slim, and uh, even Josh Anderson is listed as day-to-day here. So uh, I also saw a rumor, this is interesting, to share, but Brendan Gallagher apparently his name is in rumored talks with a team that you're a big fan of. AJ, I don't know if you heard about that one.
1: I have not heard anything about that. Um, obviously, they would have to do some some cap shuffling. I'm, I'm not sure how that would work, but uh, I'm not sure if I would want that to work. To be totally honest with you. Um, speaking of the team trying to figure out how to make things work right now. Um, that certainly disca- describes the New Jersey Devils, who have struggled um, without Jack Hughes in the lineup. He has, you know, already missed uh, looks like about eight games due to due to that shoulder injury. We're projecting him back at the start of December, so it's going to be a while before they get him back. They're also dealing uh, with the fact that Miles Wood. They tried to find some other solutions. He's unfortunately going to have hip surgery. I'd be surprised, honestly, if we see Wood back at all this year. They haven't provided a timeline other than out indefinitely for him. They are potentially going to get Dougie Hamilton back. That's a big add on the blue line. He's missed the last two games, officially a game-time call for tonight. And, like, a real – you know, a lot of times they say game-time call and, you know, you're kind of like, okay, this guy's going to play, right? They – according to the team, he's going to take pregame warm-ups tonight – against Florida, and then they're going to decide whether or not he plays. So if you're looking at using him in in season long or DFS, like be aware, you're not going to have a lot of time here um, from when he hits the ice to, to when lineup lock is to get him in there. So you may want to just look at at other options. Although I understand, you know, when he is in the lineup, a, a big benefit to them. They finally got Mackenzie Blackwood back. He's played in one game, gave up three goals on 29 shots. Not a great outing, but not a terrible one, especially considering that loss comes to the L.A. Kings, who are definitely surging right now. So you'd like to see him get a few more games. They're you know, healthy in one spot, finally, in, in the goaltending area. But uh, that Hughes loss is, is just uh, going to be hard for them to overcome, I think, uh, for a team that might have been in the mix in the Metro. Uh, if he's out until the start of December, I, I don't know if there's going to be enough time for New Jersey to get back on track.
0: Well, and Nashville suffered a similar crippling blow with the loss of Philip Forsberg due to an upper body injury. It was switched to week-to-week absence as opposed to day-to-day in the last few days. So he's got a big piece, maybe their signature offensive piece in terms of skill that he brings to the table. He had seven points in his first nine games played. They're going to miss him terribly, and it's resulted in a little bit of line shuffling uh, in the top six and that means that Ryan Johansson has been off to a credible offensive start for this team. He's going to be flanked by guys that uh, didn't factor into our top nine here before the season started. Phil Tomasino on the right side and Tanner Janot are the two wingers there, and then on the second line, they have now moved Matt Duchesne over to right wing and Michael Grandland to center, flip-flopping them. Again, Duchesne is another guy with a big contract and He's starting to deliver a little bit of offense. He and Johansson both uh, finally contributing some offense. But Granlund has been the guy that's driving that second unit, flanked by Luke Koonen on the other side. So a bit of a new look there. But on the back end, they're still getting yeoman service from Roman Yossi, who's again making a bid to be noted as one of the top scoring defensemen in the league. He picked up a few points last week again, three to be... uh, Precise and uh, in the nets behind them, you see Saros uh, has been handed the keys to the net, and he's not looking like he's going to let them go. He's receded for the two wins that they got in in the three starts that he made last week.
1: Well, one guy who's not going to concede the net at this point, it looks like, is Ilya Sorokin. Um, he is on a seven-game uh, tear where he's earned his team at least a point, going five zero and two over that stretch, a one point one two goals against average. They turned the nets over for the second game of a back-to-back on Sunday uh, to Simeon Varlamov. Uh, Not a great outing for him. Gave up, you know, not terrible three goals on on 37 shots. He obviously faced a a lot of work. So still a 9.19 save percentage, but uh, with him, you know, kind of a a meh outing for lack of a better term, just unimpressive. Uh, And, you know, it is his first time out after missing the start of the year. So Uh, obviously there's some rust to shake off there, but you know, I expected maybe a split that would favor Varlamov at the start of the year. But at this point you kind of have to consider like Sorokin is probably the lead uh, right now with, with just how well he's playing. We've also talked a lot about the offensive struggles to start the year for, for much of this team that has not been the case in the last three games here, Brock Nelson, five goals, Anders Lee, three, Matthew Barzell, three assists, Anthony Bolivier, three assists. So they are finally starting to get some offense here. I think it's important to note that none of those points were scored with the man advantage, which on one hand uh, says really nice things about the fact that you're starting to produce and win at five on five. But also, obviously, on the other side, depending on if you're glass half full or glass half empty, raises some concerns about your power play unit.
0: Well, and I look at the New York Rangers lineup, AJ, and I think, okay, they got Zabanejad and Strom at center. That's a pretty nice one, too. They got Kreider and Panera and Lafreniere on the left side. That's a very nice three-pack. And then on the right wing, they got a quartet of players, including Kako Kako and Sammy Blay, that haven't scored a goal yet this season. So the, the key issue for me is can they do something to juice the offense from the right wing or uh, – can, can opposing teams just forget about that group and concentrate on the on the wing and center positions when defending these guys? They got to get something on on the starboard side to balance things off. Uh, but I don't see other than Sammy Blay where it's going to come from. Kakko seems just to be lost right now, and uh, Ryan Reeves is more noted for playing without his stick, if you know what I mean. So <laughs> it's really on Kakko to find his way and Sammy Blay to justify his. Uh, new situation here as a top-line right winger, So some concerns for me on the right right wing over there. And in the Nets, I'm kind of surprised that they have given Shosturkin such a commanding role in the net mining situation. I think Alexander Georgiev Dior, has shown enough for, to me to think that this, he should have been in line for at least 30% of the goaltending. But right now, Shosturkin is running away and hiding with the goaltending effort in uh, Broadway.
1: Yeah, to, to follow up on the Shesterkin comments there, he actually, uh, to to circle back to some uh, award props, courtesy again of our, our friends at DraftKings, Shesterkin is currently sitting second at plus 700 behind, of course, Andre Vasilevsky, so the, the number two favorite in terms of taking home uh, the Vesna Trophy right now. So certainly, uh, uh, as you said, off to a really good start to the year. In Ottawa, the, it's a COVID outbreak is kind of uh, the name of the game right now. They've currently got five guys uh, uh, in the league's protocols, including Victor Mete, who just entered those protocols today. And that, uh, you know, has kind of avoided some of the, the top names for this club, Brady Techuk, Tim Stutzley. Um, you know, th- those guys have avoided it so far, but they are without Connor Brown, uh, Austin Watson, uh, and, and as I said, Mete and, and a couple other guys here. Uh, also, an injury to Anton Forsberg is going to make them, you know, have to potentially look uh, to Philip Gustafsson. as Matt Murray continues to struggle. He remains without a win to start the year. Has given up nine goals in his last two outings. Um, certainly, some some concerns all around for this team. Uh, I think maybe the the biggest news are or goodwill around them is the fact that Brady Tuchuk was named their captain so they finally have decided to bestow that mantle upon him and i think a decent uh, decent option for for them and and he should fill that role nicely
0: in philadelphia i'll begin with injury news there on one of their veteran defensemen that they just brought in in the offseason that's Ryan Ellis this is a guy aj who played 35 games last year and produced 18 points both were low totals for him in about six years of play. We t- we did play a little bit less of a schedule, but he missed half the season there, and he's out of the side the, on the sideline. He's missed seven games already with a lower body injury, and uh, there's no no real timetable for his return. So that's a, a blow to the back end because he was supposed to be taking on some of the big minutes by that were left behind by defensemen that are vacated here. So the load on the defensive side of the puck is being handled by Ivan Provarov in terms of the high leverage minutes. And Keith Yandel, Yandel, more of a power play specialist, he's relegated to third pairing minutes in regular ice time. Uh, And Rasmus Ristolainen has not really uh, contributed much of anything so far. One point so far. I thought this was... Guy was going to be right there with Provorov, uh, threatening for power play time, but he's been MIA. So the two big additions on the back end here haven't materialized in Philadelphia, and that's been a real problem for the Flyers. Offensively, though, it's uh, Giroux and Couturier leading the parade, and Lawton is a guy that I have a lot of time for. This guy has elevated his status in the mix in in Philadelphia the last couple of years. He played fourth-line minutes for a time, but now is up in the third line, and he's even played second-line minutes. He's centering the third unit you know, with Jaden finn Riensteig and Oscar Lindblom for a credible third grouping. Uh, A guy who's helped himself elevate himself in this mix is Joel Farabee. He's got off to a nice start with six points so far, but he's been quiet in the last seven games himself. So a bit of an issue with a lack of offense from a number of different players, both at forward and on defense the year of late. And with that, AJ, let's take a break as we always do. I want you to collect your thoughts on the Pittsburgh Penguins and you'll lead us off with that talk when we get back after these messages, you're listening to Rotowires podcast with Statsman and
2: AJ. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
0: All right, we're back, but uh, let's have a word from our main sponsor at Owner's Box. AJ, tell our listeners all about this group.
1: Well, if you are looking for a new way to play fantasy sports, Owner's Box offers two game types, tournament salary cap and head-to-head live drafts. All new players receive a $25 bonus when they deposit $10 or more on the platform. Be sure be sure to check out Owner's Box new super flex salary cap game, a revolutionary new way to play fantasy football that brings a new strategic alternative to the traditional season long formats in daily fantasy games. The Superflex salary cap format, available only on Owner's Box, removes the kicker and defensive position slots and focuses only on offensive players. Users will build their nine player lineup while staying under the $50,000 salary cap. Large prize pools will be available throughout the season. The Superflex position gives the user the option to select an additional quarterback, running back, wide receiver, or tight end. Ultimately, it makes the quarterback a premium position versus other fantasy formats. And don't worry, listeners, Owner's Box also has NHL contests, including GPT tournaments for their unique one-week fantasy format. Play the Owner's Box salary cap game uh, contest for free. Use promo code DREW9, that's D-R-E-W-9 for a free $10 entry into the Sunday-only salary cap contest.
0: All right, partner, let's swing into our notes for the remaining teams, reminding our listeners that we're here to give you news on players that are hurt or new spots in their lineup and also talking about top producers over the past seven days. Over to you to talk about the team in the Steel City.
1: Yeah, before I do that, I will uh, just remind all of our listeners that if you do have questions or comments about your uh, teams, anything we've said, you know, if uh, if you see our hear us say something and think it's a ridiculous take, please feel free to tweet out at us on Twitter. You can reach me at two 24 You can reach Paul the Statsman at statsman22. But to get into the Pittsburgh Penguins, obviously the news uh, continues to be the fact that they've gotten one game out of Sidney Crosby this year, uh, came back from that wrist injury only to be hit. Uh, by COVID uh, among other things uh, or among other guys that have struggled with that this year. They're still right now without Brian Jumelin, Marcus Pedersen or Chad Ruweedle, They did get Chris Letang back. Um, Brian Russ returned from a, 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 an, a lower body injury and picked up two assists in his first game back. And really the biggest thing for them right now is that Kasperi Kapanen uh, seems to have gotten off the schneid here with a hat trick, Uh, in their most recent game against Minnesota that ended his season starting nine game gold drought, obviously for Penguins fans like myself, we're going to hope that that carries over into the rest of the season. And obviously hoping that uh, we are past, you know, gone through maybe this, this COVID outbreak here, Marcus Pedersen and Chad Ruido were set to skate today, could be activated soon, which would certainly benefit them. Uh, Mike Matheson, Mike Matheson is a great, uh, not great, is a solid offensively-minded player to jump up in the play when he has the right partner. Chris Letang is a great offensively-minded player when he has a good partner. The two of them together make for a disastrous turnover duo that uh, has reared its ugly head on several times over the last few games. So certainly getting some of those uh, defensemen back will help the Penguins.
0: In Seattle, they got to just find a way to stay healthy. They've got issues ranging from upper body, lower body, and COVID-related things dotting their lineup. And I'll start with a discussion in the Nets, though, too. They got a bit of good news this week that Chris Greger, a guy that was among their first signings, uh, to help bolster the goaltending situation when you consider pairing him with Philip Grubauer. He's been very limited this year in terms of his opportunities, but by all accounts, he's getting back to full health. And I expect to see him get a bit of a shot here and give Philip Grubauer a bit of a break because he's handled a lot of the load. Joey Decord is the guy that was the third guy in the mix, but he's now been sent to the minors uh, in in, uh, in anticipation of Greger's successful return. But on the on the center position, they are suffering without Jared McCann, who's dealing with COVID issues. That's forced Alex Wenberg and Yanni Gurd both, both to move up. And uh, McCann, I thought, was in place to be kind of their best offensive piece here. So they're really going to miss him, AJ. But in, on top of that, they're missing two other guys that uh, also have the ability to score, Marcus Johansson and Ryan Donato. So that puts pressure on the likes of Jordan Eberle and Jaden Sports. Eberle, for his part, has already notched six goals which is the high-water mark for this club, and it's tied with him with Brandon Tanev. So they do have a couple of guys that are still there, notable goal scorers. They're getting great work out of the captain, Mark Giordano, seven points already in his 12 games played. So uh, I want to see what this team can do with a more balanced look in terms of the goalie mix and some pressure off Grubauer, I think. Grieger's appearance will will certainly be uh, buoy their fortunes in the next little while. That's my call, Hunter.
1: Well, another team that has dealt with some COVID issues to start the year has been the San Jose Sharks, and they are poised to get back a, a raft of players. Eric Carlson, Jake Middleton, Timo Meyer, Kevin LeBanc, and Mark Edward Vlasic are all skating back in San Jose. Unfortunately for the team, again, I, I mentioned this earlier, because of the COVID rules, they can't play. Um, they can't, even though they're potentially clear to the protocols, they can't play while well in Canada um, due to the the travel restrictions there. So they won't be available tonight in Calgary or Thursday in Winnipeg. But all those guys are set to join up with the team when they get to Colorado on Saturday. So it could be a completely overhauled roster for the San Jose Sharks. And obviously, that will be a huge boon for them. I mean, right now you look at it, they've got Nick Bonino playing a first line left wing spot. Um, You know, they've got Jasper Weatherby and Nicholas Merkley on the third line. I mean, this is just a who's who of what should be the AHL uh, Sharks uh, or AHL uh, Barracuda, rather, Uh, rather, you know, instead of some of these top guys that, that should be in the mix here. So same goes with the blue line. Obviously, you know, Carlson, Middleton, Vlasic, uh, Simic, Whenever they get him back, all those guys would be in their their top four al- or top six really, alongside Brent Burns and Mario Ferrara. So that's that's kind of the key for them. Uh, if you are you know if you're a Sharks fan, uh, hold out for Saturday. I don't think it's going to get any better in your next two games while well up in Canada. But uh, th- things are starting to turn around for them.
0: Yeah, and I think in St. Louis, the, there is a- a bit of a change too in their center position. Ryan O'Reilly is back in the lineup, which is great news to get their captain and leader back in in the fold. But Braden Shen is now out of the lineup. He's missed a couple of games and there's a little bit of a concern about his status. He was sent home while they're on a road trip for further evaluation. We're waiting word on that one, but in the meantime, Robert Thomas Looks like he's going to step into the second line role between Jordan Cairo and Vlad Tarasenko on the back end. I really like what I've seen out of Colton Breco. I've caught a couple of the recent blues games and he's playing top pairing minutes and looking full value for the role he's got three points in his last five games played and uh, that's almost halfway to his total points that he achieved in 32 games played last year he's got five and ten thus far along with a plus six rating so off to a better start overall and he's logging almost 25 minutes per game which is a career high so the big man may be finding his way into a career best season for, for the Blues, and it couldn't happen at a better time because they're also without Tory Krupp, who is in the COVID protocol situation for St. Louis.
1: In Tampa Bay, they are going to potentially sooner rather than later get some of their, um, yeah, I would say fringe guys back. Uh, Boris Kachuk could be an option as early tonight. Zach Bogosian has started skating. Uh, Mikhail Sergachev will have one more game on the outs uh, with his suspension. Um, but then they'll have those guys back but look this this team continues to be uh, all about the net mining and then you know Steven Stamkos and company really leading the way um, he had another two-point effort against Ottawa uh, and that kind of broke up what you know a, a two-game pointless streak you know for, for Stamkos at this point two games without a point it's kind of a big deal um, so we'll we'll see how that all carries over and, and what happens with them but i You know, I expect this team will uh, find itself back atop or at least, you know, right in the mix here with Florida and Toronto the rest of the way. And there's DFS value all over the place in this lineup. Point, Palat, any one of those guys can put up solid numbers.
0: AJ in Toronto, again, it's a a case of some really good news report and then some really troubling stuff. Jack Campbell was uh, second star in the NHL last week. He had four game starts, three wins and only seven goals against in that uh, in that cluster of games, looking really good, getting a lot of work, maybe the busiest goal, goalie in the NHL, but he's showing an ability to deal with it. He's never been a guy who has played 60 games in the season. He may be pressed into that, though, because Peter Mrazek is once again out uh, with a groin injury. Then I got a trivia question for you. What do Alex Kerfoot, Wayne Simmons, uh, Pierre Engvall, and Andre Kasha, and Paul Bruno have in common? None of them have scored a goal for the Leafs in the last six games. <laughs> And that's a troubling thing. I mean, I don't expect that I'll score any, but the other four guys, they've got to support the big four. They've scored the last, I think, 14 goals in a row for the club. And the best news of all that is that John Tavares is kind of leading the parade. He's got seven goals to lead the club. And uh, I'm not hearing too much talk about his $11 million contract anymore. He's, he's come in with a vengeance kind of built on, on the making up for the, the early exit in the playoffs that he suffered after a couple of shifts with that uh, almost uh, brutal injury that he suffered in in the Montreal playoff series. But he's looked great so far. And he and Marner now are, are a dynamic dual unit. And Austin Matthews is, has unleashed the beast and started the score with regularity now that he's paired with Willie Nylander. That should make be good news for Michael Bunting and Alex Kerfoot, but Kerfoot got two assists. Bunting got shut out last week. So uh, until other people start to pull on this rope, I have my doubts about this club. I got to say that. And uh, at the same time, though, they won three out of four. I'll take that any anyway. week.
1: Well, I'm definitely curious to know who would be the, uh, the the winner of dropping the gloves between Wayne Simmons and Paul Bruno um, <laughs> to see who would win in, in, that, in that square off. I, I will add... Just quickly here, uh, John Tavares and Andre Kasha were deemed quote-unquote banged up by the team and technically are both game-time calls for tomorrow night's contest. Um, But obviously, if they miss one game, it's it's not the end of the world. Again, they wouldn't be game-time calls if it was something more serious. In Vancouver, uh, it's a, a pretty healthy lineup for them, all things considered. Um, They haven't had to really deal with with any of the similar issues that a lot of the other teams um, have encountered in their last two games. They're getting production out of the guys that you want them to four points from Bo Horvat, three from J.T. Miller, three from Brock Besser, three from Elias Pettersson and three from Quinn Hughes. So a whole whole pack of guys contributing uh, there that that are doing exactly what you want. Travis Hamanick is back up with the club after um, having that leave of absence. And then he was, uh, you know, sent to the minors and kind of suspended, not suspended, um, kind of a, a complicated situation. But he's back with the team, has one assist through three games. Obviously, you know, he's not going to be a huge offensive producer, but he's certainly capable of chipping in from time to time, as we've seen to start the year and gives them a much a stronger six pack here. And in, in my opinion, you know, you, you, you look at them with Hammonick in the lineup and you've got Egman Larson and Tyler Myers, Quinn Hughes with Tucker Poolman, Brad Hunt with Travis Hammonick. Like that's a pretty solid defensive group. Um, so
0: they will certainly be better uh, for having him available. And in Las Vegas, I still wonder where you're hiding the voodoo dolls, AJ, because uh, Willie Carlson is now a guy on the, in the infirmary with a broken foot. He's joining uh, Bax Ready, who's on long-term IR, as is Mark Stone. That's two-thirds of their top line and a center on their second line. So that means that a couple of guys have been moved up uh, above their pay grade, I'll say. And Nicholas Roy, one of them, he actually put together a nice streak recently, five points into three games last week, If he can keep that up. That goes a long way to shoring up this depleted offense. But the other guy that's charged with the responsibility that he didn't anticipate is Billy Carrier. He's got two goals in his last five games played, and the pressure will be on him. Those two guys to support the holdovers in the top six to carry this team offensively. They've still got their best pieces on the blue line intact when you consider Martinez, Pietrangelo, and Theodore, all able to play up to 25 minutes a game. So they're insulating the rest of the young defense there, along with Braden McNabb. Robin Leonard continues to be a workhorse in the Nets here, and uh, the goals against is credible at 279. The save percentage is almost 92%, so he's doing his job. But, uh, boy, the rope is fraying over here in Vegas, and I wonder if they can just hang on until some of their injured guys get back.
1: Speaking of team hoping uh, hoping to get injury guys back soon, you've got uh, the Washington Capitals with really three of what you know for sure top nine potentially top six um, guys out. In in Nicholas Backstrom uh, is still out with that hip injury. Now they've got TJ Oshie dealing with a lower body problem. Uh, Anthony Mantha will be out until like January with a shoulder issue. And then last night Nick Dowd picks up an injury as well. So they have had to rely on uh, some other guys to step up uh, in terms of at least playing uh, minutes and getting on the ice. As far as scoring, well, that's just coming from the same place it always does. And that's Alexander Ovechkin, who is just tearing it up right now, which shouldn't come as a surprise, but 11 goals on the year in 12 games, plus another 10 assists. Look, I have in the past really knocked Alexander Ovechkin's uh, point totals. Not knocked, that's, that's a bit of a stretch, but I've questioned his ability to carry a, a team, to make the players around him better, because often what you would see in this situation, he'd be like 11 goals and like two assists, right? He just wouldn't get a lot of assists, which is fine. It's not what you ask him to do, but is that the type of player that makes everybody around him better Um, I I think that was a fair discussion to have, but we're certainly seeing a different side of him this year with the fact that his goals and assists are pretty much on par with each other. Um, Something that we haven't traditionally seen from him in the past. And I do think a lot of that has to do with the fact that his preferred, you know, his preferred center, Nick Backstrom is out, but now again, Mantha and Oshie being out as well. Um, They're going to need him to score goals, but also distribute the puck uh,
0: until those guys come back. AJ, a couple of guys came back in Winnipeg last week, but they hadn't, haven't really factored in the scoring. I'm talking about Blake Wheeler and uh, Mark Shifley, two-thirds of their, well, two of the definitely leaders on this club, two-thirds of their top scoring unit. They've combined for two scoring points in those three games, and they should be ready to produce a little bit more and boost a sagging offense that has suffered in their absence a little bit. Kyle Connor. And Nikolai Ehlers doing their best to carry the load. Evgeny Vetsnikov and Jensen Harkins are two guys that have been pledged into top six duty. Even Andrew Kopp, who's done so very well this season. i got to tip my cap to this guy. He's got 12 points on his ledger and wasn't expected to make the top six this early on. But he's been the guy that's kind of put his finger in the dike to to keep this team uh, looking good enough to to win their fair share of games in the early going without two-thirds of their leadership. And you can add uh, Connor Hellebuck to the mix. He had to give way to Eric Comrie, who got two wins and three starts last week. But by all accounts, the, uh, Hellebuck is back and healthy again. He's over his illness, and he's slated to start against the St. Louis Blues. So that's another bit of good news. The leadership core looking to be once again intact in Winnipeg. At the moment. So that's our weekly look around the league in terms of the injuries and the shuffling among the roster. But uh, at this point, every week now, we talk about fantasy DFS with uh, platforms on FanDuel and DraftKings. And AJ, it's your responsibility to bring forward the top DraftKings plays as you see them. And I'll uh, rebut with my FanDuel picks on the same uh, night of scheduled games this evening.
1: Well, for DraftKings tonight, I'm going to do a couple of uh, more mini stacks, a little less heavy than I have been uh, on past weeks. I know uh, a couple of weeks ago I did, you know, all four, like four Edmonton guys, you know, plus the goalies. So a little bit more kind of minor stacks here. Um, but one player that I'm not going to stack, just use kind of straight up, is uh, uh, Alex Barkov at, at 7,200 at center. Again, I mentioned just back from that injury, picked up an assist. He's on a six-game point streak, excluding the the game he missed. So I I think he's in a good spot to continue to produce. You know, we talked about New Jersey not having necessarily his full complement of players. Um, So a decent matchup there. Uh, uh, A game to target tonight, I do think, is the Penguins uh, going up against Chicago. Again, we've talked about the problems that Chicago has had. I didn't pay up for necessarily, you know, Jeff Carter, and uh, Jake Gensel, although I do think that could be uh, an option. Instead, I'm going to look to the second line and, and hope that uh, their last game was a little precursor of things to come. I'm going to take Evan Rodriguez at 3,800 because I can go high-low with him and Casperi Kapanen. Uh, well, actually, low-low, really. Kasperi Kapanen comes in at 4,100. So, Really hoping you know, or banking on rather, Kapanen having another good game and kind of carrying Evan Rodriguez along with him in a in a matchup that could be a little bit weaker with Chicago. Uh, I do spend up and do get a, a duo in for uh, uh, from Edmonton tonight. They're going up against Detroit. I do absolutely that's a game to target. Now uh, I'm not sure what it is on Fanduel, Paul, but for DraftKings tonight, Leon i going to be a winger. Uh, and not a center. So I'll pay up still at 9,100 for him on the wing. Uh, I can't obviously fit him and McDavid in tonight, but I'll go with Jesse Pugliarvi because this guy should basically trip his way into a point or two (laughs) being on the first line with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Like you, you'd have to be, again, this is, we, you've mentioned it, Paul, you know, you or I could grab a point. And if you're on the ice with those two, I think certainly anybody should be able to, to get something there. On defense, uh, I'm going to go with uh, Anthony or Tony, whatever they want to use it here. Tony D'Angelo for Carolina, 5,100. He's off to a strong year. Not a great matchup going up against Tampa, admittedly, but uh, he's been kind of carrying the load a little bit, especially with Brett Pesci out of the lineup in a good spot to use him. And then Oliver ekman Larson for Vancouver. Again, Anaheim has been playing a little bit better this year. ekman Larson comes in at just 4,600. And he's still second in the league in total shots. So obviously high volume there. Um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned using him in the past that the, the point totals aren't necessarily there. But when you're putting that many shots on that, it gives you a really solid floor on DraftKings. Um, and, you know, you just hope that, that he picks something up. Uh, for my utility spot, I'm going to go with Anthony Sorelli, who comes in at a ridiculously discounted 3300 right now. Um, he's slotted to play on the first line with Braden Point and Andre Palat. They've moved Stamkos back to the center. Now, he doesn't get the power play minutes with the top group there um, as much. He does tend to be the second uh, unit guy for them. But he still plays with Palat in, in, on that second group, so I think it's a good spot to utilize him, especially with how low his price tag is. And then between the nets uh, – between the pipes, rather, in the nets, uh, I'm going to go with Tristan Jari tonight. Uh, again, they're going up against Chicago. He comes in at 7700 He's not at the top price range of the board, so you don't have to pay up big to use him, and it allows you a little more roster flexibility tonight.
0: AJ, I like the point that you made that you got to look for value and and find the guys that, despite the fact they might not be as high a price point as other players, you look where they're playing in the roster, first or second line players with a low price tag, That means they're playing with some pretty good talent, I think, and that's where the the value of listening to our tips comes into play, I I think, on a weekly basis, and a record shows it, quite frankly. And uh, I hope to bring some more of that same information when I look at the FanDuel side. I checked in on the two Edmonton players that you mentioned off the top, though, and Dreisaitl and McDavid are both listed at center, the top two guys at the center position on tonight's board. So I shied away from them. Uh, to try and uh, present a different viewpoint than yours, and uh, I came away with the following. Went a little bit cheaper at center, but still get two quality guys who are number one centers on their respective teams. Patrice Bergeron, as the Ruins host the Ottawa Senators, comes in at $7,100, and that's a low price tag for a guy who centers what is still looking like one of the better lines in the league. Certainly, uh, David Pasternak's off to a bit of a slow start, but that could all change tonight with this favorable home ice matchup, and I expect that to do so, and the, the Boston cap will be part of it. Similarly, I look at Tampa hosting Carolina. This is a big game, a kind of a, an acid test for Carolina in the early going. To say, uh, see how do they measure up this year with the, against the two-time defending champs? Carolina looks like the top team in the league in the early going. I think the champs send a bit of a message at home, and Braden Point will be uh, right in the middle of all of that. And I put him in for seven thousand six hundred dollars. Um out in Calgary, Johnny Gaudreau has led a, a surging calgary team uh, out of the gate and i find a way to get him in the lineup against the suspect uh, goaltending and defense situation in uh, san jose so uh, with calgary as the home team i think gaudreau is a good play at seven thousand dollars in vegas i said some of the veteran guys that are still in the lineup are keeping this team afloat foremost among them is jonathan Marchessault, and uh, we talked about the seattle situation where they're they're dealing with some injuries they're dealing with some uh uh a lot of work being done by one of their goalies and maybe it's time for them to go to a, to a second option here. And, uh, it's a bit of turmoil that I see. And I think Vegas capitalizes on it tonight and Montreal is in the middle of that mix. Then I round out my offense with a couple other guys that figure in as top six players. Again, looking at Boston and Tampa for those. Uh, types and i picked taylor hall who impressed me when i got a look at him on saturday night against toronto he uh, received it for a goal in that game and i know that he's factoring in on the top power play unit which is the best in the league still uh, and off to a great start this year i plug him in for fifty eight hundred dollars and andre palatz a guy who a couple of years ago was a third line player here in tampa but he's all the way up to number one um, playing line minutes alongside of Braden Point, and I get him for only $5,600. So Taylor Hall for 5800 and Platt for 5600 rounding out my offensive mix. On the back end, I find two guys that are playing among their each of their respective teams' top four. I got a good look at Kale Clegg in a couple of games last week and last night, and he gets a soft touch as L.A. goes into Montreal in the second of back-to-backs. I'm a little less concerned about the second of back to backs on this short trip for a team that's on a five game win streak and this clay. Fella. He's, he's on the power play uh, unit for L.A., and I get all of that for $3,800 for a team that's really rolling right now. And another team that's really rolling offensively, averaging over three goals a game, is the Anaheim Ducks. And a central figure in their power play, there, and among their top four defensemen, is Cam Fowler. I get him for $4,100. So I wonder if I'm swaying A.J. to empty his pockets out and make another bet on this roster. It looks like a winner to me. I'll round it out with the goalie that I spoke about during the course the show Jacob Markstrom to me looking like the the leader out of the gate uh, in terms of the early the Trophy consideration very early albeit but he's got three shutouts in the bank and I wouldn't be surprised if he snags a fourth against the visiting Sharks tonight I'd pay $7,900 to get him in there so AJ that's a couple of different looks from us in terms of the offenses that the lineups that we put together in the FanDuel and DraftKings you and I have had a Great start this year in this uh, space, and we're making a lot of people some money, and we hope that we add to that this this evening.
1: Yeah, you mentioned uh, using your lineup. I, I got a quarter for you, Paul. I'll, I'll, I'll put a 25 cent lineup in for uh, for your lineup here.
0: Excellent. Well, I hope that it works out for you, Paul. And I know that you're off uh, and traveling in the next day or so. Uh, what's the destination part?
1: Headed to sunny Florida for a couple of days, grand uh, uh, kids get to spend some time with grandma and grandpa and mom and dad get to spend some time hanging out at the beach or by the pool. And relaxing
0: <laughs> that sounds great to me and i'm sure you'll probably try and tune in a couple of pens games while you're on the road too. no doubt with your nhl package so i hope you have a great time down there safe travels my friend we'll be back to our normal thursday slot so we're off for nine days but we'll be back with more news and notes from around the league that wraps up our look around for uh, this episode of podcast and we want to thank you for listening to rotowire's signature fantasy hockey podcast We thank also our sponsors at Owner's Box. Check them out. You'll be really glad that you did. In the meantime, as always, please remember to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. And you can follow AJ Scholes at AJScholes24. As always, we invite you to listen to the podcast to get our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy hockey planning and research. So long, everybody.